You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? So I know I played Red Dead Redemption 1, but uh, I don't think I remember very much of it. I just remember everybody talking about, like, you can light the horse on fire or something like that. Is that true? That you could light the horse on fire? Well, like, you could, you could like, light, light a barn on fire and then, like, ride your horse into it or something like that. I don't remember. I, I don't know. It seemed, seemed weird. Like a, a weird thing that that someone could do. I don't, I don't recall being able to do that. I do recall there was, I think it was in uh, the first Red Dead Redemption because there's also a game that Rockstar put out prior to this that was called Red Dead Revolver. But uh, in Red Dead Redemption, I remember there was like a option to kidnap a lady and like tie her to the train tracks or rescue her for being tied on train tracks. And that was kind of like controversial uh, for the time that it was like happening. I don't remember any horses being lit on fire though. But, but isn't that like a thing that you can do in the second one now is that you can tie a lady to the rain, to the train tracks. I haven't seen anything on, on that for the second one yet, but perhaps. Oh, I, maybe I, I think I was going through Twitter as the, as a tra- trailer dropped today, so uh, I, I didn't. I thought I saw someone say something about being able to tie a lady to the train tracks, but maybe they were talking about the old one. It's yeah, I don't know. It is a possibility that it's still in there. I mean, if it was in the first one, it most likely is going to carry over to the second one as well. But yeah, this was uh, this was actually the tr- the second trailer they put out for Red Dead Redemption Two, and this one seemed to be a little bit more based around kind of the story of. Red Dead Redemption 2, whereas the first one was just kind of like a general announcement trailer for the game. So, there, they, the first game was called Red Dead Revolver, right? And then they did Red Dead Redemption? Yes. Um, there they... might have been another one, but I think it was just... I think that was it. I think it was just Red Dead Revolver and then Red Dead Redemption, and now I think we're getting Red Dead Redemption 2. I, I don't think there was another one in the mix. Wasn't I thought there wasn't there like a Red Dead Redemption, but with zombies or something like that? Yeah, there was a... I believe that was DLC. I don't think it was a standalone game. I think it was uh, downloadable content for Red Dead Redemption. I think it was called Red Dead Redemption Undead Night. Oh, okay. Or something like that, but it was it was basically just downloadable content for red dead redemption from what i recall huh and and what do you what do you remember about those games do you remember enjoying them yeah i liked red dead redemption a lot i don't recall really playing red dead revolver all that much i i do believe that i played it but i don't really remember that much about it red dead redemption on the other hand though had a really fantastic story with uh i believe his name was james marston or maybe that's not right, but James yeah, Marsden's the guy that's on Westworld. And yeah, but I'm trying to think of what this guy's name was. I think it was something similar. Is it James um, Marsters? I don't. Uh, that's the guy that was on so. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What was he a voice actor for them for the game or something? No, I don't think he was a voice actor for it at all. I'm just I'm trying to remember what what the guys. Um, Gosh, it's something like that, though, from what I recall. Like, I don't know why that name's jumping out at me. I know you're right. That is the the actor's name. But, um, gosh, I really, I'm trying to remember what the hell his name was. Wait, mm, I, I don't understand. John. I think it was John Marston. To do what? Not James. To do what? What do you mean, what? No, what, what, what is John, what, what is John Marston? Is that the character's name? Yeah, that's the main protagonist oh, or one of the okay. protagonists from Red Dead Redemption. That was like his character name. Ah, I, I didn't know what you were going for. I didn't I didn't know you were talking about the character or the an actor or a developer or something. Oh no, yeah, yeah. That is the uh the character name that you play for part of Red Dead Redemption. 
And then I believe, if I recall correctly, towards a little bit later on in the game, he ends up dying, and then you end up playing as his son. And I think you kind of finish the game out as his son, if I recall correctly. It's been a while since I played this. Um, I want to say this came out in 2010, so this was going on about uh, seven or seven years ago now. So I think I think that sounds right. So does that mean that they'll uh, 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 continue on with that particular story? I'm not sure from the from the trailer they put out today that looks like it's a story uh, the story mode trailer. It looks like you're a totally different character, but I could be mistaken. Like I said, it's been quite a while since I played the first one. I should actually go back and play the first one before this one comes out, which is looking like it's going to be next year sometime. Yeah, it's, I think it's so. It'd be good to go back and just kind of refresh. Well, I mean that's. Uh... Definitely something that you could probably do on your your Twitch stream. Yes. Really. Um. What what else? Is, I mean, this is the time of year. I would assume a lot of games would be coming popping up because of the the holiday season. Is there anything else that's pretty cool? Um, you know, as bad as this sounds, like I really haven't kept up with games quite as well as I used to just because I've had so much other stuff on my plate. I do know there's, of course, a new Call of Duty game coming out. There's Call of Duty World War II. We're going back to World War II this time. Uh, there's a new Assassin's Creed game coming out called Assassin's Creed Origin uh, okay. or Origins, where basically this time we're in Egypt which is something that has kind of been rumored for a while. I, I remember maybe like four or five years ago, maybe even as far back as before, like Assassin's Creed three came out that people were kind of speculating that they were going to make their way into Egypt as like a location for the Assassin's Creed games. And uh, we're finally getting that now. And that looks a lot of fun too, I think, to be very honest. What so, about you? I mean, is there anything that you've heard of that uh, you're kind of looking forward to or excited about? Well, you know, first I want to talk I want to talk a little bit about that Assassin's Creed. So, this is supposed to be the start of the uh, Assassin Guild, I guess, or do you know anything more about the storyline? Really don't know very much about it to be honest. Like I said, I have not had much timing to keep up with any of this stuff, unfortunately. Uh, you, you know, myself, I really, I mean, I was already pretty sparsely into video games. So, uh, as of late, I haven't really kept up on too many of them either. Um, so I don't know what looks cool or what looks, what looks interesting, right? I mean, I'm still thinking about, what was it? Uh, zero horizon or horizon zero dawn or what was it called? Horizon zero dawn. Yeah. 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 I mean, I never even got to play it, but I just, I just remember it looking really cool. Yeah, I haven't finished it. I started a game on it, and then uh, I got really busy, and uh, I figured I would just save it until I could stream it. And so I'm going to actually delete my current playthrough because I'm not super far into it, and I'm just going to start a new one when I when I finally get the chance to actually stream it. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I want to start up a, a stream too as, as well to, to join in with all you guys, but like I just feel like. One, I don't really have the time, and two, the internet connection here is just so bad that I, I don't think it'd even be worth it. Yeah, that can be extremely difficult. Uh, I've been having a lot of internet issues as of lately. Uh, I actually just bought a new modem to today to try and hopefully remedy that, and that's actually what we're talking on now. So uh, it it looks like it's holding up for the moment, but uh, if if that doesn't fix it, I'm going to probably have to call my internet service provider and start yelling at them like every single day until they can get a technician out here to fix it, because at that point, it's going to have to be something on their end, because we've replaced all the hardware on our end, so it definitely isn't that, but... Yeah, and, and and here where I live, it's just I, I just don't think they provide enough uh, service or enough bandwidth to um, make it worth my while. Yeah, I think it's really difficult down there. Um, I, I think it's a real tragedy, actually, that, you know, Internet service providers have kind of had the luxuries that they've had because they've kind of been broken up into certain areas and almost kind of handed a monopoly in a way. Right. Yeah. 
And the real unfortunate nature behind it is, is they wouldn't even be where they are now, I don't believe, if Google hadn't stepped in and started pushing like the Google Fiber and the one, you know, gigabit downloads and things like that, which kind of forced a reaction out of everyone else. And even then, they're still really slow to up the speeds in areas where Google Fiber isn't offered, which I think is a really, really big downfall, actually, because we're, we're, from what I understand, at least in the United States, we're ranked really low for our overall internet speeds and quality. And I think that's kind of sad and embarrassing. I think that we should be pushing forward. We should be an industry leader in these things. And the reality is, is we're, we're not, you know, and um, I, I hope that's something that, you know, as a, a community of, of people, we can start moving forward and, and working on that a little bit better. I will say in terms of games that uh, have come out fairly recently, I know Destiny 2 released earlier uh, this month and or. Yeah, I mean, we're still technically in September, so earlier this month and then the uh, the PC version will be dropping October 24th, I want to say. And then tomorrow, actually, there is a pretty cool game that I've been looking forward to that's coming out that I, I kind of forgot about until just right now it was called um, it's called Cuphead. And it is uh, it kind of looks like the old 2D animation style of like the really early like Disney short animations, kind of like the really, really old Mickey Mouse. Um, so it looks artistic style wise very similar to that but i guess it's supposed to be really really difficult and it's supposed to have some incredible boss battles and i believe the entire game is actually hand animated there's no like procedural generation or anything like that and if you haven't seen it i would definitely recommend you go out and check out the trailer for it because the trailer absolutely looks incredible for it have you heard about this at all? I have not heard about this. That's uh, that sounds insane. If they're gonna hand animate the whole thing, um, I would it would be something that I would definitely want to check out at least for the at least the trailer to see how how well it looks. But yeah, um, I, I I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, you should definitely uh, check the trailer out for it, um, especially if you were, especially if anybody's just a fan of that art style in general, because it looks like it's taken straight out of that, which is really cool. And then let me see what else. I think, I think Dishonored two came out this month as well. If I'm, or maybe it was DLC. Yeah, I think actually it was just DLC. I think the game came out a little bit earlier this year, but I think they had DLC that came out this month. And then on Friday the 13th of October, they're supposed to have the new Bethesda game, which is a sequel to The Evil Within. So The Evil Within 2, which is like a horror-based game, kind of reminds me a little bit of like the older school like Resident Evil type games for for lack of a better lack of a better game to reference have you heard anything about those two uh you know i i have a copy of evil within but i've never cracked it open <laughs> so there's i mean that's just kind of the story of my life i have a lot of video games that i've just never opened <laughs> they're just sitting there on a shelf um i wouldn't <laughs> I, I guess I, w- I wouldn't mind taking taking a look at it you know it's it's funny how many horror-based games i guess that are out there at least yeah there's actually quite a bit um it's it's actually a pretty big genre for for gaming and i think i think it actually lends itself the best to gaming as a medium or medium uh because you know you can get scared by a movie sure you can get scared by a book as well but there's something different there's something about the interactivity of a game that when you're playing it it allows you to be more drawn into these worlds and then of course you know, there's graphics are a little bit better than what maybe most people can visually imagine in their mind. It just depends on, of course, on like how detailed or vivid of an imagination you have. But I would say for a lot of people, like having these ultra high, you know, graphics and and things like that tend to allow you to get a little bit more submerged into natural games versus just you know, kind of fabricating it in your own mind, in a sense, who has a very vivid imagination, though, there's probably nothing as scary as what you can imagine. 
Yeah, of course. You know, that your your imagination is always gonna. It, it doesn't have a budget, and you know it can it doesn't have to be limited by physics. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, there was other. There was another game that I've been following for a while that just I actually got a notification because I had it on my Steam wish list that just came out um, the twenty sixth, and it's called uh, Runer. I believe is what its name was. So I've been. It's kind of it. like an isometric action game. So isometric is kind of like that would be an isometric style game where it's kind of got a sort of bird's eye view, but it's not one hundred percent overhead. So it's kind of like, but a little bit back. I'm just trying to explain that in a way that makes sense for people who aren't really on gaming terminology, but. So which which Super fun. which game did you say What's it was that? like? What, what what kind of game did you say it was like? What's an example? Uh, Diablo. Oh, okay. Or like the old like Baldur's Gate type of games. Fallout would be this way. I'm trying to think of some other examples that um, have that same kind of visual camera style. <laughs> It's not really bird's eye or rather overhead, but it's it's kind of that, but it's back at a little bit of an angle. Okay, that's. I mean, yeah. I I think I I get the idea of what you're saying. Um, yeah, you know, I had been hearing or at least seeing it on my uh, like Twitter time or Twitter timeline yeah, or Twitter feed um, more and more in the last couple of days. So uh, I, I I just assumed it was a you know a video game that. I just knew nothing about and that it's true. Hmm. <laughs> so what's the storyline in that? So that is set in 2091, I believe, or it's set somewhere in the future. And your brother, I think it's kidnapped by like this evil corporation or something to that effect. And you basically have to go kill a whole crap ton load of people in uh, like super fast paced uh, action to get him back. Um, the soundtrack looks really, really cool. The overall art style looks very cyberpunkish, or maybe yeah, cyberpunk. I would say not not steampunk, but definitely cyber uh, cyber cyberpunkish. And uh, yeah, I've it's only twenty dollars too. It actually came out on Steam. I looked it up. And it's 19.99. So, so that's a PC that's game. A, it is, yeah. I don't think they have it available on consoles yet. More than likely, though, it'll eventually make its way there. Especially now that everything is kind of on the same architecture. Everything's on x86 architecture, so it's easier now than ever to kind of port games over or you know make them available on multiple platforms and things like that as well. So, so. Let me ask you about that. Uh, just uh -huh. like, just like how TV shows now are kind of, uh, you know, on multiple platforms and can be found. New series can be found just about anywhere. You know, YouTube, uh, Crackle, uh, your your regular uh, cable provider, and all that stuff. Um, video games seem to be getting quite spread out too. I mean, you have the mobile games that everybody likes to play you know or you know that people certain people like to play um you know your candy crushes and your uh plants versus zombies i, I know i'm kind of dating myself already but um then you have uh you know your console games and then you have your your pc games and then like there's you know there's the nostalgia games like the you know the what was it the the nes that just came out the new one the you know the the switch no, 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 not the... Well, I mean, yeah, obviously there's the Switch, but, like, everybody kind of went crazy over buying the classic NES uh, system that came preloaded with a bunch oh, of games. Oh, the minis? Yeah. The, the like, Super yeah. Nintendo Mini and the classic Nintendo Mini, I think is what they're called. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, if you have uh, PlayStation or, yes, yeah, Sony PlayStation Market or Xbox Market or whatever those things are called where you can get those... 599 games or you know like like small games that are maybe platform based but um kind of have a nostalgia feel to them but they're they're brand new with updated graphics 
Like, yeah, like a remastered. I mean, not just remastered, but like, you know, uh, what was that? What was that one that it's, uh, it's kind of looks like you're just a shadow and you're, you're, you're running around on, it's kind of, uh, uh, left to right. And then you, you die all the time. Do you know what you're talking about limbo? Maybe. I think that might've been what it was called, but like, like that's a, that's a, that was an, at that time was a new game, not a remastered game, but it's kind of got a classic look or feel to it. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's an interesting situation is that we've kind of see this resurgent to how games kind of used to be made out of, I would call it somewhat of a necessity, right? Because although it's becoming a little bit easier for independent developers to make games, it's almost like they're kind of rebirthing into the into the gaming world, right? So they're kind of going back to like these old style like pixel art games and things like that because they just don't necessarily have the resources to create these incredibly visceral worlds with like mega polygon counts and things like that because that takes a tremendous amount of time. I mean, you look at something like Fallout 4, I think, or or most even games, they typically develop them for around four to five years. And you're talking a team of, you know, a couple hundred people that are working 40 plus hours a week for four to five years straight to make these games. So, I mean, it's a huge undertaking. It's a commitment. It's a very long time. And so kind of going back to where video games started and taking that same approach to how a game might have been made for, say, the Super Nintendo or something to that effect allows independent developers to really make fun that are worth playing, but just not on the same visual platform as what you might see out of some of the AAA developers that, you know, are working on projects today. And I mean, you also have like, uh, what is it? you know, big games that are being released on consoles, but then they have a mobile version of the game, which, you know, obviously you don't do the exact same thing. They don't have the, the computing power, I would assume, but you have a uh, stripped down version of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, I guess the, the what I'm, I'm trying to, to wonder or get at is that what's the added bonus of having something like that? You cut out a little bit there. What's the what? The, the advantage? The added bonus to having a, a game that's, you know, uh, what what has a, a mobile version of that? Like um, Injustice, right? Injustice, Injustice does. Yeah, Injustice, you have the console version and then you have the, the mobile version, which you don't get, you can't do everything that you can do on the console version, right? No, you can't. And I think kind of what they do in that situation is, is they set it up as best they can to give you a good playing experience on mobile, which in my opinion, mobile's probably in actuality the worst platform to play on, but that's just me. But they do that, and then they, I believe they give you certain unlocks that you do on the mobile platform that then carry over into the actual game, and it's just kind of like a supplemental thing just to kind of keep your audience engaged into your game and the world that you've crafted to kind of feed that hunger a little bit and to kind of be an appetizer to drive them back into the larger scale platforms to keep them playing your game. Uh, especially when you have a lot of games now that microtransactions have become kind of the norm. And so when you have a game that has microtransactions, when you can keep someone hooked whether they're at home or whether they're mobile and then make them want to come back to the larger scale you would have on like a, a console or a PC and then purchase because they are still being brought into that world and that universe that you've crafted. I think that's kind of the base premise behind that is it's a secondary hook to keep people interested and keep them kind of saying, well, I might not be at home playing, but I can still work on my progress to move forward. You also have the kind of over the past, uh, it's been longer than the past few years, but it's still relatively new would be like the companion application. So for again with this, or even like the division was originally going to have a, you know, mobile companion app that would allow you to play as like a, 
a drone and you could still play with your friends that were playing on console or whatever. And I think they eventually ended up scrapping that, not moving forward with it. But like on Fallout, for example, you can see some of your stats, you can see your inventory. And then when you actually are playing on a console, you can also have it as like a second screen type of experience where you can have the world map up on your phone and have that always available to you and what you would get in the game's UI for like the mini map. And so like there is some things that they've been doing with like second screen experiences or mobile apps through that that are also kind of interesting. So same thing in Fallout, you can actually change your inventory loadout and things like that. And then uh, it kind of adjusts while you're actually playing the game. Same thing with like Destiny, you can actually transfer items between your vault and your characters or character to character via the mobile app and not have to essentially character spend your time loading into the new character putting the stuff in the vault logging out of that character logging back into the original character going and getting it out of the vault so it just kind of like that whole process but using a secondary device to help with that okay i mean that that makes complete sense uh and and for certain games yeah a real advantage now you were saying like you know mobile is a kind of a terrible platform for uh um for video games and i know you weren't you're 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 talking more of just the mobile self or yeah cell phone mobile or you know uh, uh tablets and stuff like that but you know the way that nintendo switch went is so that you can be playing your game on your console um, and then eventually, and then take the console with you wherever you go and still keep playing. Then, mm-hmm. Like, do you think the idea of mobile spurned that like to Nintendo was like, Oh, th- this is kind of what they want to do. Or do you think they, Nintendo just had it on their own before mobile, that mobile gaming was a thing? No, I mean, they, they definitely are taking cues from, Nintendo itself has made a larger leap into putting I mean like for example like we have Mario there's like a Mario game you can buy on the iPhone now and um, more and more games from Nintendo's lineup onto the mobile platform so I, I definitely think they've been watching what's developing and what's going on and I mean mobile here's the thing with mobile like it's not going to go away it's it's something that kids are going to grow up with now that are going to be a lot easier for them because they're starting at it with an earlier age. But the human element to it is really kind of its downfall because there's not really a controller. There's not really a lot of tactile feedback trying to hold the phone and you're trying to hit these buttons that are part of a UI that you're then taking away some of your screen real estate to have these buttons be there, but then you can't always tell if you're hitting them and things like that. So I think mobile in general, isn't really a great from a mobile phone standpoint. I think it is interesting that the Twitch kind of went that direction, but of course, you know, we had already had mobile gaming in the sense of um, gaming laptops and then, of course, Razer actually even made a gaming tablet that was running like a desktop version of Windows. And then you could slide these two handles on the side that would act as controllers. And so I, I definitely think the industry as a whole has seen benefits and advantages things within a mobile platform. But I don't think, like I said, because of the human element, we've really figured out how exactly that the best i will say i think the twitch is um or the switch rather is perhaps uh, the biggest problem i foresee with that again is how ergonomic is it to use it on the go for long periods of time the controllers look pretty small for a lot of people but i've also heard a lot of people say they're pretty comfortable but the biggest problem is the battery um which is a problem we've had with laptops for a long time too is that you're typically using a lot of energy and a lot of power rather to really high resolution games and these really high uh graphic quality or graphic fidelity games and so going to be an issue there too is you can play games on 
the switch, but the battery life from what I've read isn't exactly that great. So if we can get to a point where the battery life is no longer an issue and we can figure out a way to accessible and ergonomic and something that you actually enjoy playing on that can mimic experience to what you're getting out of a console today what you're getting out of a pc i think that's eventually or rather inevitably where it's going to have to go to maintain a long-term sustainability okay well i mean that i mean that makes sense too i mean and obviously it's a multi-billion dollar industry and they're gonna work towards uh those goals because that's what they i imagine that's what the players want the customers want well yeah i mean the concept is fantastic right the concept of the switch uh great i mean like if i could literally start even even going a little bit further back to something like the playstation vita or the playstation uh portable or the psp whatever you want to call it like it's a great idea in theory right i mean like even sega sega originally had the the game gear way back in the day so, I mean, people definitely want to have the option to be entertained through gaming while on the go. And I think, I, I definitely think that the Switch is moving into a path that is a, re- a really great concept. But it's also just really difficult because hardware is always moving forward at an accelerated rate. And yet it's not always moving in the same path of downsizing that hardware or, you know, making the power that you would get at, like, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think you'll ever have a point in time where you'll have all of computing power in a mobile device as you could inside of a much, much larger desktop unit. Right. And that maybe I'm wrong. I, I very well could be, but I just think that, there's not really, I don't know. I know that it, it's getting smaller and smaller, but I don't think there's ever going to come a time where there isn't an advantage, a power advantage rather, from having a larger unit that you can put more components into or that you can add more additional components to because that's a problem you run into with anything technologically related that when you start condensing it and you're trying to cram more and more technology in there, but you're fighting over space. And I think that's a difficult challenge, but I mean, who doesn't love the concept of like being able to start playing something like on your Nintendo switch or on your PS4 or PC or anything like that. And then just standing up and taking this little, you know, seven to 12 inch screen and uh, an attached controller or a mobile controller or whatever, a wireless controller, whatever you want to call it. And then moving into your living room and continue playing and then tossing it in your backpack and hopping on, you know, the light rail or in the backseat of a car while somebody else is driving or a bus or anything like that. And then picking up right where you left off and just continue playing your game. Or even if you're at like a university or, um, Something like that in your, or even work, you're at work, you're on your lunch break, you, you know, take it out of your bag and you just start picking up your game and you can play for like 30 minutes to an hour, whatever your lunch break is. And then you can put it away, go about your day and then come home and start playing again. I, I don't think there's really a gamer in the world that doesn't experience. It's just getting that experience to the level that it matches the expectation and should be and how it should be replicated from the PC to that mobile platform. And I think the switch is really going to be the one that starts to define that conversation. And I think it's a good conversation to be having. It's going to be really interesting to see if and what impacts it has on the industry and what it may or may not force, you know, PC gaming or off to kind of issue some sort of response later on down the road when we start moving into their next consoles and how they might go about combating that experience at least maybe combating is the wrong word but kind of offering that offering that experience yeah you know and i i actually got a chance to play a switch uh a couple weeks ago for the first time and uh once again i mean it was a friend of mine's system and 
uh, he had uh, a few friends over and basically we, it just got turned into playing party games. And I mean, that's one thing I remember with, uh, I want to say the Wii and, uh, the GameCube and I, you know, I never even, I never even got to play a Wii U, so I don't know about that, but like Nintendo has kind of become synonymous with, with party games, like being able to get a group together and, uh, play little mini games and see who's better at what or you know you know uh, smash brothers kind of thing uh sort of you know kind of kind of video games as, as opposed to call of duty or uh halo or you know uh bigger ga- games like that where you play online with other people and 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 go up against them so uh do you think that's where Nintendo has decided to put more of their stock in or uh, cause I literally, I, I have no idea about a- any upcoming stuff for any system. So I mean, only, that's the only place I see like games like that is on the Nintendo systems. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that it's the only place that kind of offers that, but it certainly has become kind of the cornerstone of what Nintendo wants to pursue. Like they've, it's interesting because they went kind of from an industry leader into more of like a boutique type niche in a way, right? Like they're not really trying to compete anymore with Sony or Microsoft. They've just kind of picked their own direction. And for the most part, it is, it, it is, I would say targeted a lot more at all type experiences. I don't want to say like casual gamers because I don't think that's fair, but I would say it certainly is trying to offer more casual based experiences. They do have some games that are geared a little bit more towards like intense competitive play and things like that, but it's not, it's not nearly on the level of what, Microsoft are trying to do and how they're trying to compete. Like Nintendo's not out there trying to capture every single exclusive in the same way that like Sony and Microsoft are. And I mean, they have a lot of intellectual properties that they've honestly been milking for over 30 years, which is really something kind of interesting and and probably a case study all of its own. Because I mean, the fact that people still go bananas over Mario games and Zelda games and, all of that sort of stuff, even a couple of generations in gaming later, and and by generations, I mean human generations, will have kind of that same perceived resonance uh, uh, with gamers nowadays as they did back in the 80s. I think that is something pretty incredible. And, you know, that's something they have the benefit of because Microsoft hasn't been in the game nearly as long as Nintendo and to a certain extent, neither has Sony, even though they have been in it longer uh, than Microsoft per se, but it is really fascinating that they can still manage to do all those things. And yet you look at someone like Sega, for example, Sega was kind of the main competitor for Nintendo. And then they sort of died off relatively quickly and eventually ended up to where they were just games. You know, they gave up on making hardware, and even their intellectual properties, more specifically uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, really wasn't enough to long-term sustainability. And yet you look at Nintendo, which has a handful of characters, you hang on to that and create similar experiences with those characters for 30 plus years. And that's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, that's something we really haven't seen out of creative medium for well probably ever to be honest with you yeah i was gonna say that you know nintendo definitely has its big three characters that they they come back or three big three games yeah characters you know with uh zelda and um mario and sonic that they come back to often when they need to and i mean what was it what was the last zelda game breath of the wild and I imagine it probably did pretty well. I still hear I hear people still talking about it, so I mean that that's got to be a good thing. And there's always some new Mario thing around the corner. Uh, that license is always on on different things. So uh, 
it's not I, I doubt that they're suffering in that that area but obviously they they've decided what wh- where it is that they want to focus more on so uh i i, I just think it, it, yeah it, it is mean, interesting because you know when i was a kid um nintendo was the thing i i, I had a, a a classic nes and then i had a super nintendo and then i had an n64 and uh I, I didn't I didn't even bother with uh, Sega. I know other kids that were my age were were all about the Sega and the Sonic, but I just stayed loyal to the Nintendo. But then eventually, uh, you know, Sony PlayStation came along, and I was like, oh, let's check out some. Well, you know what it was? It was that Final Fantasy went over to Sony PlayStation, and I was like, well, that's the game that I like to play, and it wasn't on Nintendo anymore, so I had to I had to get myself a PlayStation. Little did I know, after uh, was it Final Fantasy Seven? Is that the one with Cloud? Yeah, yeah. After that one, I didn't. I kept getting the games, but I, I didn't play them anymore. So uh, I, I I I haven't played a Final Fantasy game since since uh, Seven. Yeah. Well, and to to backtrack really quick, um, Sonic is Sega. I I think you kind of got that mashed up a little bit but no but didn't um, nintendo buy the 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 likeness of of sonic from sega don't didn't they incorporate them no i don't think they did oh i thought he i thought i, thought I could be wrong did. on that but i don't think they did purchase him my bad had a i think they just had a sonic game that came out on like playstation not too long ago didn't they do like a uh, mario versus sonic game not too long ago or maybe a decade ago um, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I might be right. I just I don't remember them buying it. Because to me, when I think of Nintendo, the main three that kind of come to mind would be... Or Link, whichever, but like the Zelda games. Right. Mario, and then Metroid. Oh, um, I was, I was gonna, kind of the... I would have said Donkey Kong. Well, Donkey Kong too, but the only thing with Donkey Kong is, is like I don't think I've seen quite as much for Donkey Kong lately as there has been for Metroid, at least just from kind of the people that I've been around, I guess, which isn't necessarily, you know, one hundred percent accurate, but true. I mean, I, I guess but Donkey the... Kong was super huge for quite a while. Right. And then I think I, they kind of just started incorporating Donkey Kong into like the, the Mario Kart games and not focusing on making Donkey Kong games anymore. Yeah. I don't even remember the last time they made um, like a Donkey Kong game. And, and that's not necessarily that they haven't. I just really haven't kept up with a lot of that um, as much because you know it's like you said like they've kind of captured a corner of the market that is working for them and it's i would say it's working obviously pretty well for them because well, the- there for a while a lot of people thought they were going to go the route of sega and that they were eventually going to have to just and that eventually they were going to have to just do software. sell off their ip and stuff but so far that hasn't happened and they started doing the like nintendo amoebas or whatever they're called or amiibos i don't even know what they are but like those things took off and crap ton of money. Well, let me let me ask you this then. Like at this very moment, do you own a uh, Nintendo system of any sorts? I don't. No. Um, currently, I own a PlayStation Four and a PC for my gaming because it's kind of the same situation. in looking at the Xbox, right? So. Xbox One and the PS4 were kind of getting announced. Prior to that, I had actually owned an Xbox 360 since since that had come out. And towards the end of the cycle, I had eventually uh, come about kind of owning a PlayStation 3. And even then, I didn't really use the PlayStation 3 all that much. I played a handful of games on it, such as like Metal Gear Solid, The Last of Us really kind of it in all honesty and then when it came time for the announcements of what they were doing with the new consoles and where they were trying to go the 
kind of roadmap that Sony presented just seemed to have a much higher value to me as a gamer and where I was at. And so I went ahead and picked that up. And and so far, it's actually proved to be, in my opinion, the best decision I made because what eventually ended up happening or what's at least kind of happening with a lot of Microsoft's exclusive games is they're not really exclusive to the console. They're just exclusive to Microsoft, meaning that the bulk majority of them are available on the Xbox One as well as the Windows platform. And as somebody who already owns a a pretty good, it was super high-end when I bought it, I would say it's probably very mid-grade gaming PC by today's standards because it's about five or six years old at this point. But um, as someone who already has a mid-grade gaming PC, you know, plopping down another three to $500 for an Xbox One versus just buying those exclusive games and playing them natively on my PC, it has no appeal to me to buy their hardware anymore. Um, So in having a PS4 and a gaming PC, I, I best of both worlds because I get access to all the exclusives that Sony's putting out, which at this point are quite a lot. And like you said, one of them you mentioned earlier that I was super stoked about was Horizon Zero Dawn. Of course, there's the new like God of War game. And there's just so many more that, you know, uh, in, you know, The Last of Us 2. I mean, there's just so many more games that are coming out that are kind of truly exclusive to just that console and that you can't anywhere else. And so to me, unless you're somebody who, you know, I would say Microsoft is definitely targeting people who don't have gaming PCs with the Xbox hardware. And if you don't have friends that are on the Xbox system, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like they've certainly come a long way to correcting some of the our wrongs that they did with the announcement of, of the Xbox one. And it's certainly come a long way as a system, but again, to me, what really should sell you on the system is, but I would say even more important than the experience is how many people, you know, and how many people you're going to be gaming with, and what platform those people are playing on. And if the bulk majority of your friends have an Xbox, even if you're not the biggest fan of the Xbox, it might still be the way to go because if you want to play with those friends, that's where you're going to have to be, at least for now. I mean, we might see that change as we move closer and closer into uh, cross-platform play, which is something we're finally seeing. We have you know, PC and PS4 players for like Rocket League and things like that. Um, so I think it really is potentially a matter of time before we see console cross-platform play. And, and to be fair, uh, Epic Games with Fortnite apparently accidentally allowed it for a short period of time where they were doing some sort of update or something. They had um, accidentally allowed cross-play between the PS4 and the Xbox One. So it is completely doable. So it looks like it's coming down to potentially a political uh, environment within within gaming that's kind of, so to speak. Okay. I mean, that that's going to be an interesting development when that, if that happens, when that comes about, you know, uh, I imagine it, it has to. It's just a inevitability at this point. But, uh, yeah, you're right. You have to decide on, you know, who's got what system and, you know, who's playing what. And that's going to, you know, be the biggest bulk of uh, your 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 uh, choice of what you wanted to you want to buy and what you want to play. Yeah, I think that's going to be this, you know, because because even nowadays, I mean, you look at a lot of games and the games can definitely be fun and they can be great. And if, if you're playing a game, that's a single player game for story, you know, that's, that's one thing. But when you start looking at how sort of being are being rather developed for these massive worlds that are online persistent worlds that you're kind of encouraged to play with your friends and interact with other people. Point that is, that is something you have to really take into consideration is is going to suit you the best to maximize your ability to play with people that you want to game with. 
that and, and you know that's going to be uh, a big uh, a big decision for a lot of people. Now, uh, I don't know if you saw this. I think it was early last week, but uh, there was a Belgian student, twenty one year old student, that made the world's largest Game Boy. Nope, haven't seen anything on that. You didn't see that story? Oh my god, this thing's like uh like like 5 feet tall and uh just you know with the the cream spinach uh color screen and and everything. Uh you know, plays Tetris on it, two big buttons, one one cross uh cross D-pad. But it made me start thinking like when we used to play either the Game Boy or the um uh, the classic NES that was literally a D pad and two buttons. And, you know, <laughs> you had your a button probably let you jump and your B button attack or whatever. Uh, how did, how did we get along playing video games back then with, with just two buttons? No, I mean, I think the reality behind it is, is kind of like what we were saying earlier that it was a, not necessarily simpler time in the development because it was a learning phase where I was kind of trying to figure out how to best optimize the hardware, but to a certain extent, there was less requirements for an interface. I mean, you look at, you know, Super Mario Brothers, and I mean, realistically, the only thing you kind of actually need to play that game is something to control your left and right direction and then a jump key. So, I mean, realistically, you could play that whole game with just about three keys, you know, I think it's just as as the hardware has progressively gotten better and better and people, especially on the creative side, developers and stuff have said, we want the ability to do more and more things. You know, they've started pushing towards creating controllers like the big thing that I'm kind of seeing now is there's a um, there's a few different companies that make modified gaming controllers. And for the most part, when you look at kind of the underside of the controller, they're putting buttons that replicate the thumb buttons there right and so i think i think what we might eventually see is we might see those kind of become adapted later on for consoles but not as mirrored buttons but as new standalone buttons much in the way that you look at the super nintendo controller and it has the shoulder buttons it's got a left and right shoulder button but now we look at pretty much all of the modern base controllers and there's, you know, a left trigger, a right trigger, left bumper, right bumper. So those four kind of what used to be shoulder buttons have become very commonplace. That you have a directional pad, two analog sticks, four thumb buttons. So and I so I think it's just really a matter of time before we start seeing more buttons get added to controllers, or we'll start moving away from controllers types of games and moving towards you know, mouse and keyboard compatibility consoles, which you can kind of do to an extent. Like, for example, Final Fantasy, I think it's 14 or Final Fantasy 14 Online or Realm Reborn, whichever name it goes by nowadays. It's changed its name a few times for <laughs> developmental issues. Uh, but you can plug a keyboard and mouse into your PS4 and you can play the game using that. So I think it's really a matter of time before we start seeing towards that because something like arma 3 possible to imagine playing that with a controller by itself and not having a keyboard because there's just so many different linked to keys that it's very difficult to fathom how you could accomplish that same experience just on a controller you know and that's what i was gonna get at was that um you know the I think the next system after the NES was probably the Sega system, which you they added a C button, and then when you got the Super Nintendo, it had it added the XY button, and then the like you said, the left and right bumper, and now we're up to I don't know how many buttons on a on a P PlayStation Four with the two triggers and or the two bumpers, four bumpers, four button, four thumb buttons, two analog sticks, and a D-pad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, and and the the PS4 as well has the little center trackpad that you can actually utilize to uh, do certain things as well. Like a lot of them use them for like pulling up maps or 
um, different types of information and things like that. So, I mean, technically there's there that they can utilize as well. So I think, I think we are already moving more and more towards just, it, it's just becoming an issue of how many buttons can you cram on a controller before, you know? Well, have you seen that video of, uh, the, the, the robotic thumb that people add to their hands? <laughs> It's on. No. It's, it's been going around online. It kind of, kind of right below your, uh, your, your pinky. Like it's added over to that side of your hand. So it, you know, there you really? go. It's just you know, added robot parts, and you you'll be able to start um, uh, adding more buttons to your controllers. Certainly, be interesting, <laughs> to say the least. So right. Uh, one thing I want, I definitely wanted to ask is, you know. We don't, I mean, I guess there are a few games that are like this, but um, not, there's not that many that are like, that how it's like in the movie industry where we're seeing a lot of properties from the 80s and 90s being remade and rebooted and, uh, you know, uh, rehashed. Video games more just go along the sequel line, like, every, you know, whatever was made back then, there's a part five or six to it now. But if they were mm-hmm. to, you know... I'm and like I said, there's probably some examples of of things where they did that. But what's something that you would wish they would remake from the late '80s, early '90s, and like re- remake it oh. with the uh, with uh, on the next gen system with you know great graphics and a, a expanded storyline? Uh, well, I mean, we are sort of seeing that happen with um remasters right that's become a pretty popular thing and i know probably the most anticipated remaster currently is going to be final fantasy 7 um they're going back and completely redoing that from the ground up with all that stuff so i mean we'll see what ends up happening from it man in terms of games that uh were old games that master uh, hmm. You know, I think one that I I might be particularly interested in would be perhaps Battletoads. Wow, really? I think that would actually be a really really cool game to have modernized and remastered and re-envisioned because I remember like kind of the graphics and 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 I think they actually show this in the new like Killer Instinct game they made. I think you can actually play as one of the Battletoads, but like the visual representation of the battle toads that we could do today versus the pixel art that existed back then, I think would just be insane. The big thing behind battle toads that I recall is it was really, really difficult and it had a lot of crazy challenges. And I just think when you look at what's available today and what developers can do, I think you could do some crazy, crazy stuff with that as a franchise in today's uh, gaming world. Well, that you know, that's not the, the an answer that I was really expecting. So, was was the I mean, I never played Battletoads, so was that a like a Street Fighter player versus player game? No, Battletoads would have been more like like. Uh, did you ever play like Contra? Oh, it was like Contra, not not like a uh, Double Dragon. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that too, right? Like. Contra, Double Dragon, they're all kind of like those side scrollers that, you know, that or even the old X-Men arcade game. Right. It was kind of similar to that in nature. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, play, I, I played oh, what would you a little Contra and Super Contra. Oh, well, I mean, I think that I don't know if we've ever talked about it on podcast, but, you know, we've talked about it many times in, in the past and it's not 80s or 90s. It's, it's early 2000s, but, you know, Eternal Darkness is one of my favorite games oh. of all time. So if something were ever to happen with that again, that would be pretty amazing. I think that would be pretty amazing. And that actually could fall, fall very well into the remaster lines, so to speak. Exactly. Remaster that and, and added some new stuff kind of in the way that, uh, did you ever see, with Silent Hills before the whole controversy between Kojima and Konami went down. Yeah, I think I saw a little bit of the of the footage of, of what they were going to do. Or even how like Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7 kind of came along and right out of that playbook and, and tried to run 
I think if they could do something with that type of uh, visual fidelity or maybe even push it a little bit more Eternal Darkness game, I think that would be scary as hell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially with the 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 state of the the horror game as they as it is right now, you could really do something with that and be extremely crazy. And you know, with everybody's because one of the the best parts of that game was how it tricked you into thinking that you know certain things were happening to your system. You know, and now with everything as much reliant as you are on your system for just about everything entertainment. You know, you, there's there's a whole range of things that could you they could do to to kind of psych you out or make you go a little, what the hell is going well, on? Well, especially nowadays with all the like smart home stuff, right? Like, obviously, this probably would break law or some shit. But if you could find a way to like allow that game access to like your smart home controls for like your lighting and things like that, I mean, you could really mess with people's psyche you know Ooh, that's crazy i mean do you think about if you did that and like it was attached to your uh your your smart doorbell and it you know it right the doorbell started ringing while you're playing the game so you get up and you go check and there's nothing there or you know a little screen pops up that to show you the video camera that's at your doorbell and you know there's it, it maybe it looks like there's somebody there but you know you go open the door and there's nobody there Ugh. Well, exactly. I mean, especially if you have one of those like smart doorbells with like the video screens, it's right. like you could literally have that go off. But then when they look at it, there's like a demon or a ghost or something standing at their front door. Like I would forcibly crap my pants at that. <laughs> forcibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that would be pretty, it'd be pretty amazing, you know, or, you know, just the, the advantages with the smart house. I didn't even think about that or, I have so many other ideas, but I'm not going to say I'm on stream because uh, if we ever do uh, somehow make a geekly gaming department or division, I uh, I don't want this to be out there. So we can talk off air about some other crazy ideas that just came to me um, because I don't want to give those away. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, end the podcast. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me and talk to me about some more video games, which It'd be more you talking to me because I don't know much about video games at this point anymore. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Now, if you really want to talk about video games, you want to get a hold of Richard. He's also on Twitter as at Cohen R-I-C-O-W-N. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter and at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekleetradio.com, for all of our archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. And Richard, make sure to check out Richard on his Twitch stream, which he does on Sundays regularly. And do you have another night now? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I'm, I do want to eventually work my way up to where I'm consistently streaming three nights a week. I'd like to do... So the way that I structure it now is... Um, I'm playing through the Mass Effect franchise and I only I kind of have it structured similarly to like how old time television used to be where uh, each week an episode would come out. And so that's kind of what we do every Sunday. We stream Mass Effect. So even if I add additional days and I play a story based game, it will only ever be played on that day of the week until it's completed. So like even if I stream streamed streamed, <laughs> even if I streamed three days a week. I wouldn't do Mass Effect on like, for example, like let's say I streamed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? I wouldn't do Mass Effect each three of those nights. I would do Mass Effect Monday, a different story game on Tuesday. And then what I'm trying to incorporate for uh, the third day of my streaming schedule is what I'm calling like just a chillax type stream where that stream doesn't have the webcam on. Um, there's actual like music that's playing while we're, while we're streaming and it's traditionally not really a story driven game. So like what I've been doing week was I actually streamed, uh, elite dangerous with it, which is like a space exploration type game. And so I just put on some music that's kind of similar to what you would expect from like cowboy bebop or something like that. And we just went around and did some like space taxi missions and, uh, stuff like that. And then, started doing fairly regularly a streaming movie night 
which what I do for that is there's a website called Rabbit that allows you to watch a movie on like Netflix or Hulu or any of that stuff with up to 25 people. And so we've been kind of watching different movies each week. We usually take and talk about it in the uh, Discord community and we all kind of figure out what we want to watch. And then we watch a movie and we chit chat while we're watching it. And it's a good time and a lot of fun. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, this is definitely uh, another way to expand your community and, and, you know, be involved with a, a bunch of other people. So uh, that sounds it sounds great. But it, so if, if they want to get a whole or they want to go to your Twitch stream, it's twitch.com backslash right colon. Uh, so it is twitch.tv slash right Cohen one, just the number one. So R-I-C-O-W-N. Um, apparently there is an inactive user that has the Rykoan handle that may have been me. And I've tried figuring out if that was me <laughs> from any of my other old, super old email addresses. And it doesn't seem to be, but, um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at on there. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich show on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.